0: Hey, I'm sex, love, and relationship therapist, Dr. Laura Berman. And for the past 30 years, I've been helping people just like you learn to love and be loved better. Here on the Language of Love Conversations, I'm talking to some of the world's most influential and revolutionary experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, and celebrities about love, sex, and relationships from a mind, body, and spirit perspective and that way, my goal is to awaken your mind, body, and soul. It's time to become fluent in the language of love. I'm really excited to introduce you guys to this week's conversation on a language of love. Dr. Christina Lopes is a doctor of physical therapy. She's a physical therapist. She's also a spiritual teacher, which is the capacity in which I know her. If you aren't already subscribed to her YouTube channel, I definitely recommend. I follow her on social media as well as on her YouTube channel. I think on social media, Christina, you go by Heart Alchemist, right? Correct.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Welcome. I'm so
1: excited to talk to you. It's so wonderful to meet you in person. You too. Not not in person, in person, but I feel like video conferencing. Yeah, virtually in person. (laughs) Exactly.
0: We have to come up with a new term for that person or something. I don't know. You are pretty open about the fact that, you know, just like all of us and certainly everybody that listens to this podcast, we've all had trauma. We've all had differing degrees of pain and, and transformation in our life. You've been pretty open about your evolution to really become a spiritual teacher. And it started, through your own spiritual awakening. And I definitely want to get into that. We're going to talk about the stages of spiritual awakening because I think it's more relevant than ever before. But before we get into that, you're one of my favorite people to go to to understand this concept of you know, what people in the personal empowerment and spiritual world call ascension, right? You hear that term a lot these days and everybody's experiencing it. But I just wanted to get from you your understanding and share with us, because you talk about it so beautifully. First of all, what is ascension and what's happening
1: and why it's happening? Yeah, I like to talk about ascension sometimes with people who are more woo woo and more kind of. <laughs> I'm very woo woo, so they're into spirituality and, yeah. and you know really really into spirituality. But I've also talked about ascension with people who aren't really super spiritual, and so I just talk about it a little bit differently, and it kind of comes out to the same thing, really. For people who aren't super spiritual, ascension really just means there's just there's a, a shift of consciousness occurring on the planet. We're evolving really in terms of our consciousness and And we can see that pretty clearly, right? Just looking at, you know, across generations culturally, the things that we used to do a thousand years ago, we're not really doing right now. And that could be, there are positives and there are negatives, right? Because we've lost a lot of a lot from traditions and wisdom that we've lost, but we've also evolved beyond certain barbaric things that we used to do. Right. So there's been an evolution of consciousness, and we can all see it on the planet. So even if you're not super spiritual, you can understand that there's been an evolution of consciousness on the planet, and that we do things differently than we used to do a thousand years ago, or five hundred years ago, or even a hundred years ago. Right? It wasn't too long ago that Roman stadiums were filled with like these gladiator. Right. Uh, violent horrible you know undertakings where people were killed and all of this was happening and so there's been an evolution of consciousness if you're not super super woo woo if you're super woo woo ascension literally means that there's this enormous energy shift on the planet so there's a shift in vibration and that shift in vibration has accelerated exponentially in recent years. And I would say past, there are a lot of teachers that are talking about 2012 as being a major kind of shift in the vibration. And I I agree, I think 2012, 2013, but I think the biggest shift in vibration that we've had was really those months right before the COVID pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. That's really been one of the biggest shifts in vibration on the planet was really the COVID pandemic was kind of the catalyst for that shift in vibration. Vibration and the vibration is just changing more rapidly and it's getting higher in frequency. So the energy is getting higher and higher and higher. It's moving faster. So as the energy vibrates, as it gets higher, it moves faster, it vibrates faster. And that's really what ascension means. Ascension means that our physical avatars, our physical bodies, who we are as human beings, just the human form of us, not really our, you know, our souls don't need to ascend anywhere. Right. We're way up there. Ascend it all the <laughs> yeah, way. We're, we're already <laughs> up there, right? So when it comes to the soul, the, the way that I talk about the soul is the soul isn't static. It's never static. The source energy, God energy, soul energy, it's never static. Otherwise all things would die and would cease to exist. But soul energy and God energy is ever expansive. So it just keeps expanding expanding, expanding, expanding yeah. expanding. yeah.
0: Well, so let me, I have a few questions. Okay. Yeah. First of all, you were starting to say, all right, let's just take a step back for a second for the non-woo-woos, right? Mm-hmm. Who are listening mm-hmm. and I am in the woo-woo camp. So I'm mm-hmm. totally with you, but there are lots of non-woo-woos, including my husband out there. So we can all agree that there's been an evolution in consciousness thus far, right? How do you explain to the non-woo-woo because there is now an evolution of consciousness that is continuing, but also is on steroids. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes. so, so that was one thing I wanted to ask you about. And maybe it's related to this other thing, which is you say that this huge shift in consciousness and frequency started a long time ago, but you say that COVID was the catalyst. And I agree with you, but I'm curious if you can explain how it catalyzed, you know, how that okay. works.
1: It was a major catalyst because as soon as you lose control in any aspect of your life, that can be a major catalytic moment for change, for spiritual change, because one of the main Obstacles to spiritual growth. And obstacle, I'll go into that a little bit because I don't like to. I'm I'm going to talk about the ego and I don't like to give negative terms to the ego, but the ego, the part of us that is the personality, the part of us that says, I'm separate from you and here I am over here and I look like this and you're over there and you look like that. And we are two islands and we have distinct borders and limits from each other. And where I end, you start. And so that mechanism is called the ego. It creates a, a construction, an identity for you. That's one of the major obstacles to spiritual growth because the moment that you, as you continue to hold on and think that you are this separate island, separate from everyone else and separate from the universe and that your free will and your determination and you by yourself is what makes things happen. You can fix, manage, and control everything. Exactly. You can absolutely control everything or you never really do control anything, but 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 at least the ego holds on to the illusion. Yeah. Yeah. The ego operates with this beautiful illusion of control for a really long time until something happens that makes it so clear that the ego is not in control of anything. And the moment that that aspect of you sees with clarity... That the ego has never controlled anything, and that there is very, very little that we control in this universe, and even our place in this universe. The ego begins to lose the grasp of control, and the power begins to disintegrate. And as soon as that happens, your opportunity there's a door that opens, and your opportunity for growth is just exponential. You start to see life differently.
0: That is so important. And I want to talk about stepping through that doorway in a moment, right? Mm-hmm. I want to also, because I know you you were talking about the shift in frequency and energy in the planet. And I talk a lot. I mean, my book, Quantum Love, I talk about vibration. I talk a lot about frequency. I talk a lot about harnessing your frequency and not just matching and training to everyone else, right? And being aware of that and using that to kind of manifest and also to create the love life you want. But what I feel happening, and I think what you were alluding to, is that for so many reasons, and I'm hoping you can kind of break this down a little bit, the frequency of the entire planet, not just because we're all having an awakening because of COVID and therefore are raising our frequency through our own individual healing, which of course affects the collective, right? We affect everyone around us, whether we need to or not, but that the earth its frequency, right? So the one thing that all of us are going to match, no matter what, is the, you know, Mama Gaia, is Earth, right? That's why in nature, nature doesn't entrain or match your frequency. You match its, and we are always matching Earth's frequency. And my understanding is that, and I'm hoping you can break this down, is the there are astrological and energetic and all kinds of solar flare reasons that the Earth's literal energetic electromagnetic field has shifted
1: which is yeah. wild to me it's amazing it's amazing and this gets definitely more woo and i love to talk about this stuff because when you if you start to think about the earth if you start to think about all aspects of universal consciousness as being sentient mm-hmm. if you if you see life this way then it becomes clear that we're not standing on a rock. We're not standing on a dead rock. We are standing on a sentient being and she has her own consciousness and she has her own map of evolution. She has her own timeline of evolution and we're sitting on her, right? So of course we're co-evolving. One can say we are co-evolving. It's always any source of life across any realm of consciousness in the universe, this is all about co-evolution. We don't do anything in a vacuum. We don't do anything in a bubble. We're always doing everything together, even though it doesn't seem like we are. And so we're down here in this specific realm of consciousness. We're on this beautiful rock and she is evolving at her own timeline, at her own speed, and her acceleration has increased. Yes. What's interesting about the COVID pandemic is that, from a spiritual perspective, really what that was is kind of a a metaphor for a transition into feminine energy. And that was really a shift that this planetary shift, we went in a matter of months from a consciousness that on the surface level was masculine dominance. We've had masculine dominant energy for thousands of years on the planet. And it, it felt like Mother Earth herself just started shaking and she said, okay, time for a recalibration. You know, we've had this masculine energy on the surface for a really long time and I've honored it and I've allowed it, but I have my own timeline now. And so you guys are going to follow me now. (laughs) And she starts shaking. And then suddenly, because even the meaning of what happened to us, all of us around the world being confined. Yeah confined isn't that interesting we couldn't work we couldn't travel we couldn't do all of the things that we used to do to distract ourselves from our problems to distract yeah. ourselves from the fact that we were unhappy from the fact that we were living unfulfilling lives all of those distractions just got wiped from us and yeah. we were told to go sit at home <laughs> And so suddenly people start staring at four walls and they, they're going insane, but really it was a beautiful moment of internalization. That's feminine energy, feminine uh-huh. energy. Masculine energy is outward projecting. Masculine loves to go do things and, and adventures and, and goes do, do, do and expand and go out and move and move. Feminine The movement of feminine is inward. And so what an interesting image that as soon as the planet shifts towards feminine dominance, we go home, we all go home and we're told to sit down. And what do we do? We internalize and we start thinking about our lives. So we start thinking and feeling the things that are working and the things that aren't working. It isn't a coincidence that there's been this great resignation after. Oh my gosh. Yes. because people, every, people yeah. sitting in their house and they're like, wait a minute. No, life is too precious. Life is too short. I don't like my job.
0: I do And now like that I've gotten me. off the hamster wheel, I'm realizing I'm not happy. Yeah. I mean, I yes. and even in their relationships, relationships that had been surviving because you were ships passing in the night yeah. and you both were so busy with all your other stuff and you just kind of pushed it under the rug. Now you're stuck in a two, one bedroom uh, studio apartment, right? You're going to. And so I kept saying, you know, now that we can't go outside, we're going to all have to go inside, you know, really inside.
1: And And that was, that was a huge acceleration, right? Because all of these things were thrown in our faces really quickly really, really quickly and really intensely, that offered us an opportunity to follow the energy of the planet. And that's why a lot of times when people say, oh, we're getting back to normal, I crack up when people say that. We are not going back to normal because (laughs) one of the things that I've been talking about on my channel for a really long time is that while we were at home stuck in quarantines, the planet has shifted her energy. You are no longer walking on a planet that allowed for a dominance of masculine energy. The energy has shifted. And now the people that are really going to thrive on this planet are going to be people that understand feminine energy, that know how to connect with that feminine energy. And when I talk about feminine or masculine energy, I'm not talking about men or women. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with your internal young energy and yin energy, your feminine, your masculine. And we
0: all have both, by the way, right? We All have both. We, but, yes. but the idea is that for all of us, male, female, and everything in between, we were living in the external, in the doing, in the pushing, in the controlling, in the direction or directing, right? Those are all beautiful masculine energy traits that we need to function, right? But we just don't need that to be dominant is what you're saying, right? So that, dominant all. Time. all the time. That's a good point. Not, yes. Cause sometimes it does have to take the front seat. Right. But sometimes it does. Yeah. And so when you talk about the feminine energy, right, that's more creative introspective, How else would you describe it? So
1: feminine energy, sometimes it's introspective. Sometimes it's really powerful. So we have so much to learn about feminine energy, so much. And a lot of times we can learn about feminine energy, especially in the West. We are very poorly trained in feminine energy. We have just repressed that energy for so long. But there are older cultures that have maintained and retained some of the wisdom of the feminine that hasn't been pushed underground. A lot of the wisdom of the feminine was pushed underground when it began to be forbidden, when women started to be burned at the stake, when all of these things started happening, the wisdom of that feminine energy started to be shoved or down. Perhaps, yeah. But the feminine takes on various, various aspects. Sometimes she's inwardly projecting, sometimes she's fierce. So one of my favorite depictions of feminine energy comes actually from Hinduism. So the depictions of goddesses like Kali, for instance. Mm-hmm. The depictions of goddesses like Durga. If you see an image of Durga, one of my favorite goddesses, she's riding a tiger, she's a warrior, a goddess riding a tiger, not a horse. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, yeah. it's really interesting because you see in those depictions that feminine energy is much more than what we in the West have allowed. We allow in the West the mother side of feminine, mm-hmm. that's accepted. We allow the wife side of feminine, that's accepted. We allow the tenderness and the softness of the feminine, that's accepted. There are other fast Of feminine energy that are less accepted, like that warrior, that fierce lioness that protects her cubs Mm -hmm. even against the father of the cubs. You will not touch a lioness's cubs, even the father of the cubs will not touch if she doesn't want to. And so there's a lot of aspects of feminine energy that are coming forward. But one of the biggest ones right now that all of us need to work with is the understanding that. In linear time, and that's right now, where we are right now, we function with past, present, and future. We're in the linearity of time. We're within, we have incarnated in time-space reality. So time affects us, right? Affects our human selves. In a, a reality that functions with time, the feminine energy must be the first one to be deployed. And this is a hard one very, very hard. Usually we want the masculine, the masculine, the masculine goes first. The masculine goes first. When you understand what feminine energy is, feminine energy is the pure, pure potential of creation. The metaphor that I use, the example that I use for feminine energy is if you've ever gone to a pottery class. Okay. So this is a great image to start seeing what feminine energy is. If you've ever gone to a pottery class, even if you haven't, you've probably seen videos of pottery classes. They start with- On the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. On the wheel. But you start with a lump of clay Mm -hmm. and that lump of clay has no form. It's just a lump of clay. You grab a lump of clay. That lump, formless lump of clay is feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you look at it, it's formless, but is it, or is it not true that within that lump of clay is the potential to become a mug, a plate, a vase? Yeah. That's what
0: Michelangelo used to say that he saw the image that he was going to sculpt in the block. He released it from the block. It was already there,
1: the block of marble. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. So that's feminine energy right there. Feminine energy is formless, pure potential that gives rise to everything. Okay. As soon as I throw that lump of clay on that turntable and I take my hands to the clay and I start to form it, I've now shifted into masculine energy. Ah, okay. So masculine energy gives form to the formless feminine. Now notice, if I don't have a lump of clay, what are my hands going to make? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And this is why feminine energy must come first in linear reality, not because she's better. No, but because she is the formless potential that the masculine needs in order to form her, he's got nothing. He's got no raw material without her. And so when we're working with these new energies, we need to understand that the hustle culture, the way that we did things before it no longer works. That's why people are being burned out. That's why people are getting sick. That's why people are exhausted because they're trying to make a vase without a lump of clay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what does it look like to in action to move forward into something or to set out to create something or the thing that whoever is listening wants to do or create, right? What does that look like in action when you're starting with the lump of clay, when you are the lump of, you know, when you step into that?
1: I take the ego out of it. So that's a great way. So our culture, we're very, very trained to say, oh, you know, have your list of goals and things you want to accomplish and get your vision board out and make all these very detailed visions of what you want and your goals and your goals. I actually don't like to start co-creating that way. I like to invite the universe to help me. And so I'll open up the the way to work with pure potential is to say to the universe, you know what, my human mind has no idea where my soul wants to go, but I am open. Open to start to receive signs and signals on what my next steps should be. And I'm really excited about receiving these, these signs. I'm so, so excited. And then I'm going to follow them. I'm going to follow each breadcrumb that comes my way. I'm going to follow my passions, my interests. And pretty soon that starts to build up. Have you ever read the book, The Surrender Experiment? by? I my, love my it. Love it's that. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I love all of his books, but so that, good. that book was so good. So, yes. so good. And if you ever want to understand, he's a master at working with feminine yes. energy, actually. Yeah, he is. That's a good point. He's a master of working with feminine the energy. The surrender he calls it experiment. Surrender. Yes. Yeah. He calls it surrender. But another, when I read his story, I mean, it's such a surreal story. You actually have to read that book to understand what it means yeah. to work with feminine energy. But his initial proposition was he was going to say yes. To whatever the universe sent his way. Mm-hmm. That is another way of saying, I'm going to work with feminine energy and I'm going to take advantage of the pure potential of feminine energy and I'm going to follow up. I'm going to follow through. That's masculine energy. You see? And
0: when you're busy trying to decide what or figure it out, what next steps are, you're really more in that.
1: In, you're already in the masculine yeah, energy prematurely. You're prematurely in the masculine, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the masculine energy. Really, yeah. And so yeah, you're going to run out of point. energy. Yeah. And so, gonna.
0: and so, you know, and I love how you use breadcrumbs because that's when I made that decision out of awakening and desperation, out of what I like to call these things AFGEs, another fucking growth experience that just break <laughs> you <laughs> open, break across I the apart the ego and whatever. COVID has certainly been a massive AFGE for the whole world. I had been through my share of them by the time COVID hit, but I have always said, like, the only way that I can really live my life anymore, and the only way it seems to work is just Following the breadcrumbs of joy, one after another. Like, do I have a full body yes to this? And if I don't have any creative inspiration, which sometimes I don't, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to soften and see and and ask for guidance and then the next inspired action take, right? But it's really scary for lots of people to do that, especially when there are these practical concerns of paying the bills and, you know, <laughs> keeping the lights on, right? To
1: me, I think part of it
0: is this is where faith comes in, right? And practice. But what
1: can you add to that? Well, when it comes to going into shifting into this feminine energy, a lot of the clients that I've worked with that are making this transition, I never advocate like the way that that things happen to me. I don't usually advocate that people do what I did. You know, I literally walked out of my house with a couple of suitcases and I left my entire life behind and I lost everything. And I just went and lived in the middle of a forest for, you know, four years I don't advocate that people do what I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not for the faint of heart. But at the moment, I could do that. I didn't have children. My marriage had just fallen apart. So I didn't really have those obligations that a lot of people have in the real world still, yeah. that those responsibilities. I just left everything behind. So the way that I like to work with clients now is an easier transition, easing people into working with that feminine energy. So if they say, you know, I'm at a job right now, it's not fulfilling at all. I hate getting up and going to work, but it's paying the bills right now. Mm -hmm. And so we start there. So a good place to start is when you're in a place at this immediate moment, try to make that place more pleasant in the sense of you being more present and changing the stories that you tell yourself about where you are right now. Because if you try and step from a place of resistance, from a place of... From yeah. a place of internal resistance, you're only going to be stepping into another place where you're going to have internal resistance because you're co creating from a place of discomfort. And so, a good place to start is to say, I've worked with a lot of clients who just report back and they're like, oh my God, that actually really worked. I never thought that was going to work, but right. it worked. And I would say to people, you know, when you get up in the morning, you say to yourself, I'm going to go into work and I'm still there. So, Until the universe gives me a clear sign for me to change directions, I'm going to be open for those clear signs to show up and those synchronicities to show up. But until that happens, I'm going to take this place that I am right now and this job that I'm in right now, and I'm going to bring all of myself to it. So maybe I walk into work today and instead of having the horrible attitude yeah, that I had because I hate to be there frustrated right now, and, yeah. feeling frustrated, I'm going to walk into my office today and I'm going to say, you know, what do I have to learn today? What is it that I'm still learning here? What is it that I'm serving here? What is it that I'm offering others here? And the moment that this happens, your energy opens up. You're no longer shut down. You're yes. no longer pissed off. Your energy opens up. And suddenly people will come back and say, Wow, I had the most amazing conversation with a coworker today that I never even talked to before because yeah. I was so shut down and pissed off at my life and I didn't want to connect with anyone at work. And then suddenly, you know, this coworker was having a problem and we were able to have a conversation over lunch. And I feel like I changed her day. And suddenly things start to happen with yeah. Within an environment that a person thought was horrible. I don't want that. You have to
0: leave that environment in order to move into your dreams. Yes. Yes.
1: And so suddenly they start to create acceptance of the present moment where they are right now. And then it feels like the energy starts to expand immediately. They're moving into what I
0: call home frequency, right? When you're in that place of home frequency, that's where
1: things can really create. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't feel like a caged animal anymore because suddenly instead of saying to yourself, oh, I'm getting up and I hate this job and I hate it and I hate it and I hate it, it," you're creating that internal resistance. Now you're saying, okay, this job is paying the bills. I'm going somewhere else. This is my stepping stone to something else. And I'm going to accept this place right now. And I'm going to do the best that I can right now, but universe, I'm open. Please send me the next breadcrumbs. Please send me the next synchronicities so that I may follow through on the next journey in my path. And that really, changes everything for people. And suddenly what's going to start to happen is they're going to start to be inundated with synchronicities. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's something you see on social media about a course that you want to take or a class that you want to take that really sparks your joys. Follow your joys, follow your interests, follow your excitements, because that is a clear sign that your soul is guiding you somewhere. Yes. Yes.
0: and I call that the full body. Yes. Like when you feel that, oh yeah. Even if it's like, A conversation you're going to have or like a course or a video you want to watch or whatever. When you start to tune into that and you follow those yeses, that's when the magic really yeah.
1: And the example that I give is when I started my YouTube channel, I had no idea, no idea. I just had an intuition that I had to make videos. I didn't know how to make videos. I didn't even have a camera. I knew nothing about nothing, but I had this strong intuition that I had to start making videos. So I bought a camera. I went online and I learned how to record myself. And I got a little microphone and my first videos on YouTube are hysterical but it was me following an interest. So pretty soon I started to make the videos and then I started to get really excited about making videos, ding, ding. You're starting to feel that pull. So I kept making them every week. But this was 2014, and it wasn't until 2018 that I started to really realize what this YouTube channel was, and it was an an intricate part of my mission. I didn't know it at the time, though. I just kept following my passions, and pretty soon the story of what those passions are going to bring to you is going to be obvious. It may not be obvious at the moment, but you just keep going.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I think this is a great segue into this idea because you're talking about following those breadcrumbs, right? And following your passion. And we were talking earlier about that doorway that opens when you go through that dark night of the soul, when you're having that AFGE for the whole world, when COVID happened, which was just like a mass AFGE. And I think it's so interesting what you say about how that was kind of in some ways instigated by the planet and what she had planned <laughs> while we were indoors. But what would you say is important around stepping through the door? I know you talk about kind of the six stages and, and I, we could talk for 12 hours about the six stages, but just like quickly what the six stages of spiritual awakening or just awakening, stepping through that door looks like.
1: Well, I think for a lot of us stepping through the door up until recently, it's not really like that anymore because I'm connecting with so many more people that are just waking up spontaneously. Yes. But for a lot of us up until recently, we have been waking up through some sort of difficult circumstance in our lives. And it's those moments when the rug of life is pulled from underneath you and your ego loses all the illusion that it was controlling anything to begin with and you see that clearly, and you say to yourself, what? I've been living a certain way for God knows how long, and there's so much more to life than what my mind had anticipated, and I am ready to let go of this control, and I'm ready to trust the beautiful energy that makes worlds go around. I mean, the energy that makes flowers bloom and the energy that makes the tides go up and down and the energy that even breathes my lungs and digests my food. I mean, there's 99% of what I even do in this body. I'm not directing consciously. And that's a good indication of this highly intelligent, creative God force that is in everything. What is there not to trust about this energy? That's what's interesting is when you really start asking people, what is there not to trust about an energy that literally makes everything go round. Yeah. As soon as you start to do that, as soon as you step through that door, it really is a process of you just surrendering a lot more and surrendering, releasing control, being open to the magic of life, being open to things being much more simple than you thought they were initially. As long as you just do your place of Following the breadcrumbs, following the synchronicities, following the flow of life. That was you're typically ready to do
0: once all hell is broken
1: loose, and you just don't have the
0: energy to do anything else, right? So, like, you have no choice.
1: Exactly. And it's usually what's what's been happening is that we usually step through that door begrudgingly, right? We step through that door because we're exhausted. We've had a burnout. We can't keep going in the hustle, masculine, masculine, masculine mode because we are exhausted and we've just depleted all of the chi in our body. And now suddenly we're bedridden or something else happens. We lose our job or our relationship disintegrates, whatever happens, some kind of disaster happens in our lives. And suddenly we're like, okay, maybe I want to live my life differently. and that's really the stepping through the door. Now, when you step through the door, it doesn't mean that your life is suddenly roses. For those no. of us that have had any <laughs> form of spiritual awakening, you know no. that the stepping through the door, it's wonderful and I would never go back through the door again in the other direction. I would never do it in a million years even though I've had a really difficult spiritual awakening. But what happens when you step through that door is then the process of shedding and letting go of all the crap it's been programmed in you all of the masks all of the inauthenticity all of the things that you are not or that are no longer you it has to shed like the skin of a snake comes off and that process can be a little bit painful sometimes
0: because it means these truths you have to kind of often face these truths and this is something that i'm also think is really interesting you know you were talking about how you're hearing a lot of people spontaneously waking up this way without having to have the AFGE, I'm also finding that in general, people who aren't even in a spiritual path or haven't gone through something hard are all of a sudden, it's like things that were hidden in plain sight are suddenly becoming clear to them. Aspects of their relationships that they've never even considered or questioned or patterns that they've never even thought about that have been not serving them. And that's, stimulating. So I guess they're not even walking through the door. They're just moving to phase two, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's happening more and more. People yeah. are just, people are having these more, they're smoother transitions. there's are smoother awakenings. Yeah. But again, it's also because the energy on the planet is becoming so high right. that it's much easier for us to get through that spiritual Because we're awakening. being supported we're being supported and the energy is accelerated, meaning that people are going through spiritual awakenings a lot faster than we used to. And it has its positives and its negatives, right? Because if you're going through a spiritual awakening faster, it means that you can heal a lot of stuff and you can get rid of all the crap that no longer serves you. You could do that a lot faster. The downside, the other side of the coin to this is that it's super intense, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like you go through an once. accelerator. Yeah. So you have to master a lot of things in a short amount of time. But at the end of the day, that's really what an awakening is for all of us. It's just to stepping through that threshold where your soul energy becomes more imbued in your body. That's another way that I like to look at spiritual awakenings. It's when your, what's known as the lower self or the egoic part of you, the personality part of you, steps aside and releases control to a higher version of you, the soul version of you. And that soul version starts to imbue all 40 trillion of your cells with more of its energy. Things really get fun when that happens. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that feels good. That's the good part. And it's not, it doesn't happen in a linear way. I find like you're not, you don't have to release every piece of crap that you need to release. And then, you know, you start to layers. Yeah. So there are layers to it, even if it does happen quickly, but it seems to me that if this is I don't know if this is phase three where that soul energy is coming in, but if it were, it's like phase two and phase three are kind of happening simultaneously, yeah. because the more you release, the more you connect with soul. The more you connect with soul, the more supported you feel in releasing. absolutely.
1: And, yeah. yeah, and it and it gets easier. you know, the six stages of spiritual awakening they're not always linear. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. So stage one is that wake-up call which is actually changing for a lot of people. So that's one of the instances that are changing for a lot of people. The wake-up call used to be through some kind of drama. So my wake-up call was the disintegration of my marriage. For other people, it's they lose their job. For other people, it's the COVID pandemic that gets them in the house for weeks on end, and they're climbing up walls. There's that switch. It's the moment that your soul, the wake-up call is the moment that your soul decides that it's going to flick a switch on and it takes control of your life and your ego is no longer able to exert the control that it had before. This can be very, very painful if someone does not release control. This could be because then you set up a tug of war with your soul and guess what? You're not going to win that war. No, you are not. you are not going to win that war. So that's the wake-up call or the switch on. That's usually the first phase. And then a lot of people experience temporarily what's known as the bliss stage. So you wake up and suddenly it's like, you've been stuck in a cave, a dark cave for so long. And then suddenly you come out and you see the sun and you're just looking around and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) everything is connected. I'm in a connected universe. I can feel everything. Everything's amazing. So this is called the bliss stage of spiritual awakening. That's when you really have those highs and you go more into the woo-woo land and unicorns and fairy dust and this beautiful states of connection and love and light and all of this. And a lot of times people start to get in trouble. Level, and that's where they where they usually come to me is when they get into phase three, which is stage three is the dark night is what's known as the dark night. It's been known for a couple hundred years at least as the dark night of the soul. But I actually like to call it the dark night of the ego because your soul never has a dark night. It's the ego that's having a dark night. That's the moment. That's probably the most difficult of all spiritual awakening stages. It's the one that's written about the most. It's that moment when, okay, the bliss is over now I didn't realize that what comes up must come down. <laughs> and that's what the dark night is. It's when you have to go deep and you have to confront your inner demons. You have to confront your patterns. You have to confront your deeply held beliefs. You have to heal your traumas. Sometimes not just of this lifetime, but of other lifetimes that you carry forward. You have to confront and shed all of the things that no longer serve you and all of the old versions of yourself that are no longer supported in your current new timeline moving forward. So the dark night can sometimes take years actually uh, for people to get through. So that's stage three. And then what ends up happening is when we come through the dark night, there's so much is going on, so much healing, so much going deeper. We come out to stage, where am I? Stage four, right? Uh-huh. And that's called the void. And the void is a stage of the spiritual awakening where things, sometimes people aren't comfortable in the void because, especially if you're masculine dominant in your energy, because in the void, everything feels like it stops. Yeah. Yeah. All the doors have closed. Nothing is happening in your life. Like nothing is happening in your life. And sometimes a lot of people even report that they can't even hear the messages from their guides. They're not receiving synchronicities. They're not receiving angel messages. They're not receiving the things that they used to receive before. And so they start freaking out. So for a lot of people, the void can be very, very uncomfortable. For some people, it could be quite comfortable because, at least in the void, they're out of the damn dark night and they're like, (laughs) praise baby Jesus, because it <laughs> At least I'm relaxing a little bit and I'm resting because that dark night was horrible. And so it depends. It depends on what kind of, you know, what kind of state of energy you're in when you get to the void. But the void, the doors are actually closing on purpose because the, one of the main reasons that the void exists is for you to actually learn that God energy, that source energy is within you. That's why the messages sometimes from your guides stopped coming through. That's why everything seems silent and it seems like you're alone. That's done on purpose so that you understand that you are never disconnected, that you are the source of all the things that you're looking for. It's purposely built into the void that you feel disconnected from all of these things because you can no longer reach. You can't even reach for your angels anymore or your spirit guides anymore because it feels like they're not there. They're always there. But in the void, it feels like they're not there. And so what do you have to do when you can't reach anymore? You go within and you're like, oh, wow, wait a minute wait a minute, I am the source that I'm looking for. I am that which I am looking for. And so the void is really important for that. Because you are you...
0: looking outside yourself. And I also often think about this phase, because this has always been historically hard for me, because I'm a doer, is like a seed germinating underground. Like you have no idea, it's dark. You don't know that you're going to, this amazing flowers bloom. And that, the, but this quiet incubation You have no idea what the other side or what that is going to look like, but that quiet incubation is necessary.
1: So necessary. And that's another great image of what feminine energy is. So the void is a very feminine energy stage. Beautiful, beautiful depiction of feminine energy is that, that darkness of the soil. As the seed is is kind of sprouting, so that's stage four, and then we move to stage five after the void, which is called groundedness. In stage five, you know your feet are now starting to be firmly planted on the ground. You've been through so much in your spiritual awakening. So you're starting to know who you are on a soul level. You're starting to know kind of what you're doing here. And that's what the groundedness is. The groundedness phase is when you've been stretching a lot up because that has a lot to do with spiritual awakening. You've been stretching a lot up. And now the groundedness brings your roots down into the earth. Now you've not only stretched up, but you're stretching down. And so you're this really solid, old, California redwood. You're <laughs> really tall. Yeah. yeah. You're really tall, but your roots have got to be equally deep. Otherwise those redwoods would and not And twice stand as
0: wide life. as the widest branches. Yes. Really wide. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. So this groundedness phase is when your energy really starts to ground. You start to calm in your energy. This is also where your electromagnetic field becomes more powerful. So hmm. you become a greater manifester in this stage.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Your electromagnetic sense, field is grounded.
1: Now, you're grounded and yeah. not just grounded. You've cleared up a lot of crap oh, that yes, you had, right. which right. is True. a lot of reasons we manifest by default a lot of times because our electromagnetic field is filled with gunk. What's the gunk? the beliefs that I was raised with, the pain that I have that hasn't been healed. And so I have all this gunk on my energy field. And so I go through the spiritual awakening and I'm cleaning it all out. And so now my energy is more authentically me. And that immediately means it's more powerful. Yeah. It's pure. It's more powerful. All right. Let me just ask you
0: this really quickly, because this just occurred to me, right? If the earth's frequency is so much stronger and higher, I have always... Believed, found, and proposed, and I talk about this in Quantum Love. The only way you can raise your baseline frequency is through healing, is by releasing the gunk you're talking no, about. And yeah. so, most of us, the hope, you know, what Quantum Love is trying to teach is how to do that consciously and intentionally, and, and how important that is for manifesting. And the only way you can do that is by, as you were saying, release the gunk. But is it possible that because we are now all of a sudden living in such a higher frequency that in order to for our bodies to just match it, which we have no choice in matching all this shit is coming up to release on its own.
1: No question. No question. It's coming up to be released. It's coming up very quickly. That's one of that's yeah. one of the major challenges right now of going through a spiritual awakening is everything is happening faster. You're being given less time for a spiritual awakening because it's everything is accelerated. And so a lot of these things are coming up. Now, the good news is that there's just so much support. There are so many millions of people that are awakening around the world that there's a lot of support So people now, as these things are coming up, more likely than not, you're going to be able to find community. You're going to be able to find a friend or a family member or someone who's going through the same thing. And they can kind of coach you and say, hey, what's coming up? It's okay. Don't freak out. You're not going insane. You don't have any kind of mental illness. All of this stuff is just coming up because it needs to be released and it's coming up very quickly. And you just go with the flow. Do not resist healing. That's probably the number one tip that I would give to people. Do not resist healing. Because if you resist healing, you're only going to continue to be pulled energetically and something is going to give, and it's usually your body is going to give. So just go with the flow. If things are coming up, and a lot of times people will say, I don't even know what's coming up. I just spent the day crying. I have no idea why I'm crying. And they start to freak out. Why? Well, because I haven't cried for 10 years. And then suddenly I'm crying and I'm like, Thank God! Like, yeah. good. Clearly, you it, need to cry. Clearly, you need to cry. There's, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong. But it's interesting, isn't it? Interesting how we are so programmed that if someone doesn't cry for ten years, that's totally normal. Yeah. But then if they cry for a day, they start to freak out that they're going insane. What? No, the normal was not crying for yeah. ten years. It's insane. Not the yeah, yeah. Be that's insane. what's insane. Yeah. And so it's interesting. where, we're, you know, all of that's coming up. But you are absolutely right. The healing is one of the most important aspects in the shift of your vibration. This is why a lot of spiritual circles where there's this excessive positivity is yeah. horribly damaging to us. You yeah, know, when we go to places and people say, "Oh, you know, just positive thoughts and positive right. or vibes." tap it away, just tap it yeah, away. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, "Wow, this is called spiritual bypassing and yes. you guys are going to get into way more trouble. No. Go down, down, down. Don't be afraid to go down as go much as you go it. up." You can't go yeah.
0: around it, and I agree with you 100% that drives me crazy with a lot of the popular spiritual teachers out there who are just like, yeah, positive thinking apart, you know, don't have any negative thoughts and positive thinking and turn everything into a Positive and tap it away and change your vibration that way. It's like a band aid, but you're gonna be
1: pulled back. It's bypassing. You're gonna be called. You got to come down into that wound. So that's the groundedness. That's stage five. So that's when you start to your energy starts to get powerful. You become a very very powerful manifestor. And then the last stage comes in, which is purpose or mission. And this is usually when when they start to feel grounded. Suddenly they start to understand why their soul decided to incarnate this time and what are the main themes of their incarnation. And they start to realize that the soul actually does have a plan before it comes down here, that it meticulously plans your life, that it has these wonderful plans for what it wants to transpire in a specific incarnation. And what lessons you're supposed to learn. Yes, you know, and and a lot of times, yeah, the soul, I'm not a firm believer in the in the idea that that earth is a school. I know that there are some spiritual traditions and spiritual teachers that talk about earth being a school. I don't really resonate with that anymore. It may have been at some point, but I fundamentally believe that the soul comes down here because this is a delicious way of expanding and evolving. This is a very unique reality. And so are there lessons that we learn down here? Of course there are lessons that we learn down here, but that's not the main reason why the soul incarnates here. The soul incarnates here because this is an incredibly complex way to evolve. It's a complex way that involves the somaticizing of emotion, which is very rare in realms of existence. To be able to feel emotions in a physical body in matter is very rare and it's very prized. That's why there are bazillion souls waiting to incarnate on planet earth. There aren't enough bodies Aww. for the souls that are waiting to come here.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because this is a great segue to the idea of sacred partnerships, sacred relationships. And leading into that, I want to ask you about soul contracts, because obviously that feels to me like it's part of sacred relationships, but also not just relationships with your love life partner, but also just with everybody. One of the things that I'm very open about is the murdering, the tragic death of my 16-year-old a little over a year ago. And Some of the things, and I mean, I was already going through many phases of awakening before that, but that has been awakening on steroids. And I went through, you know, I've been going through all of these and finally feeling my creative inspiration back, which has been really beautiful. And, you know, there are layers to this. This is a whole other conversation. But the question, what keeps coming to me as I've tuned in to his soul and my heart and gotten my downloads or wisdom that we all have access to is this was part of the plan which is crazy to think about because it didn't occur to me until the day he died that I was only going to have him for 16 years you know even though that's every parent's worst fear you don't really think about it on a daily basis and so it was wild to think like both our souls kind of knew this was coming and had planned it in a way To a certain extent, like loosely planned, right? Because there are ways in which our souls are working together with what comes next. And so I wanted to take, just get your take on this idea relevant to what I'm talking about, but in general of soul contracts, and then kind of expand that to
1: sacred relationships and all the other aspects of that. Soul contracts are an important part of incarnating down here. So before you incarnate down here, your soul has multiple agreements. And sometimes I don't even like to use the term soul contract because a lot of times, especially as we get into the whole sacred partnership conversation, so I'm excited to get there because a lot of times I've worked with so many people who unfortunately take these terms like soul contracts, they apply them to a toxic relationship that they are in right now. And they use that as an excuse to stay in a situation that is horribly toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my contract.
0: Can't yeah, break it's my it.
1: contract. Yeah. Exactly. It's my contract. I can't break it. So I use the term soul contracts with a grain of salt because I never want to give the impression that your soul is deterministic in what it does. Okay. So you have to remember that we incarnate in a universe in which all possibilities exist. This is a quantum universe. All possibilities exist. And so if all possibilities exist, it makes no sense that the soul would say, I'm having this soul contract and that soul contract and that soul contract, and it's all happening in a linear way, one after the other, and it must be like this. That is not true. And that's not how things occur. So the way that I like to think of soul contracts is more the soul saying, hey, I'm going to go down there. And we all know that when we get down there, shit hits the fan. And that person, as soon as I incarnate, the person is going to have the veil of forgetfulness come over them and they're not going to remember and you're not going to remember either. So we're going to be totally <laughs> lost down there. Yeah. And so let's maybe meet up down there for specific reasons. And if it happens, that's great. And if it doesn't happen because we're totally lost and we don't remember what We're doing them there, that's okay too. And so, what the soul does is it has multiple plans and multiple contracts that can or may not be executed, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And there's no judgment and there's nothing going on wrong if that doesn't happen. So, I like to see a soul contract in that way, more flexible. Yeah. If you do meet someone down here in which you do have a pre existing soul contract with, that doesn't mean that the soul contract is lifelong and bonding. Yeah. So, that's a good, so very, very important. A lot of times, a lot a lot of times there's two major type of soul contracts and this segueing into relationships and into sacred contracts there are two main soul contracts that we have usually with romantic partners one are the soul contracts that are more temporary some call them karmic contracts that are more temporary that come in with a specific Time frame to them. So that person comes into your life and it doesn't have to be what's known as a karmic connection. It could be even a soulmate connection. People don't realize that soulmate connections sometimes have a limited contract time. And you can have many more than one soulmate. You can have many soulmates and and you can have a soulmate in your life and it could be a beautiful relationship. And then suddenly the relationship disintegrates and it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because the soul contract has has been executed and now it's time for you to go dance over there with some other souls. This is all to say that in the world of soul contracts, things are much more flexible and malleable than sometimes our little egos like to Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. So I love to start this conversation when, when it has to do with relationships. So some soul contracts a limited amount of time. And one of the main things that I see happening down here is that a lot of times, and this is usually what happens when we're in karmic connections or karmic contracts, which are contracts relationships that come into our lives. A karmic connection is a relationship that comes into your life to help you clear trauma and clear pain that hasn't been cleared and also to clear any karma that you may have that's holding you back and to learn some lessons really that you needed to learn so those connections are by nature supposed to be temporary one of the biggest mistakes and i use that for people who are just listening to the audio i'm i'm using air quotes here because there never really is a mistake but from the soul's perspective, one of the things that gets the soul's head scratching up there is when we overextend soul contracts, very, very common for us to do that. So the soul started out and said, hey, I'm going to go down there and we're going to have a contract. And let's say it's like two years long and we're going to clean up all the stuff that we got to clean up. And then we're going to say bye-bye. And then we're going to move on with more expansive energy. And then... 20 years down the road. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. Your soul, your soul is drinking some whiskey <laughs> up in heaven going, Jesus Christ, is she still there? How is this possible? Overextending soul contracts is actually quite common. And it's quite common for us to get stuck in these things because we have all these pre-existing notions on what a successful relationship looks yes. like. And we have all fear of the unknown. And we- fear of the unknown, yeah. fear of abandonment. We're all children. The majority of us are emotional children. Children Still on this planet. And so we don't know how to have mature relationships. So soul contracts can be temporary and there are soul contracts that are lifelong bonds lifelong bonds so you do meet some people that are meant to be in your life your whole life and that is the extent of the soul contract but it's important when talking about soul contracts to for everyone that's listening to please remember that soul contracts are more flexible and malleable than we like to think yeah. and that you, we live in a quantum universe with endless possibilities so please don't ever use the idea of soul contracts to keep you bound yeah, to a situation that no longer serves you So what are the qualities of a sacred relationship? A sacred relationship, probably the first one is, there's a bunch of them, there's not really a hierarchy. So I'm just going to throw them out as I'm receiving them. But one of the important ones is there's a mutual, mutual drive for evolution. Mm -hmm. Mutual, mutual. This is so important to remember because I've worked with so many people. Usually the arrangement is in heterosexual relationships and the woman comes to see me and they're dragging their partner along (laughs) and they're saying, oh, well, you know, he's going to catch up, but I'm just more spiritually awakened than he is. And he is going to catch up and I'm helping him in every way that I possibly can. And I can see energetically that that person is dragging along a really heavy ball and chain that's not supposed to be there anymore. And why? Because the partner is at a different level of consciousness and they're trying to tug on them beyond what that person's soul wants. Yeah, they're not capable. they're not. They're not. They they're, not they're not there. They're on different no. paths. And no. so, when it comes to sacred partners, both partners are on the same path of mutual evolution. They are, have this constant drive to continuously evolve themselves, and they understand that the connection is itself a kind of an accelerator of evolution. And they love that the connection does that, and they understand that the yeah. connection does that, and, and that's they, a, and a
0: priority like, for them.
1: Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Individually so sac- together. Yeah. So a sacred connection is very different than what a regular relationship that we've been living on the planet for a really long time where it has a lot to do with comfort And with just kind of you know coming home every day, hey, honey, how was your day? And you can still do that with a sacred connection, but in in the regular relationships that we've been living up until now, it has a lot to do with with permanence, with being comfortable, with not coming out of your comfort zone. As soon as you start coming out of your comfort zone in a regular relationship, things start to fall apart and then there's divorces and all these kinds of things because the two partners aren't on the same page when it comes to the relationship serving as a vehicle for mutual evolution. So that's one important characteristic. Another important characteristic of sacred partnerships is an understanding of mirroring. A sacred connection, when you have a sacred partner, that means that by nature, that soul is very similar similar in frequency from yours. So you are very, very close when it comes to resonance vibrationally, very, very close. So a lot of times sacred partners, the way that you can think about them energetically is you can think about them like identical twins biologically. So identical twins are exact same biology, right? And so when it comes to sacred partners, these are two souls that have very similar soul DNA. And so because they have such similar soul DNA, it means that they are perfect mirrors to each other. They mirror the good and the ugly. But when you are in a sacred partnership, you understand that the other person is your mirror and you are theirs and you work through the mirroring. You don't point fingers at the right. mirroring. So this is one of that. the- Oh yeah. This is one of the biggest skills that sacred partners have to learn is to work through the mirroring because a lot of times the mirroring will destroy a potential sacred connection if they're not ready to kind of go there. Another characteristic of a sacred connection and one that probably, this is probably the top one that helps the connection thrive because you can attract to you potential sacred partners all day long. We do this a lot actually can attract to you potential sacred partners but that doesn't mean that you will have a sacred partnership yes yes, yes. <laughs> there's potential for a lot of things and one of the things that is the biggest obstacle for sacred connections to turn into sacred partnerships is the that there's a lack of healing in the lower three chakras so is specifically that second chakra where bonding wounds occur mm-hmm. So if you do not have your bonding wounds figured out, another way of saying this is if you are not emotionally mature, that's another way of yes. saying it if you don't oh, want yes. to talk I about talk chakras. About, I know I talk about that all if the time. you are not emotionally mature, don't even think about going into the realm of sacred partnership because it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Including the mirroring. Be, it, <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be total. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's going to be a total disaster. And I know this and I could laugh at myself because man, have I done this before? Yeah, yeah we yeah, all like, have. It's, we've all done this and and it can get really ugly and really painful if you don't have those lower three chakras, especially first and second. But third is also important. So as well, like
0: the first six years of life, those wounds are
1: really. Yeah, hard. yeah. And those But even up, to teenage, years, even up yeah. to teenage years, even up to teenage years, because your third chakra, your third chakra, that solar plexus develops into adolescence. That's when you mm-hmm. start to develop a sense mm-hmm. of identity of yourself separate from the world. Right. And so that third chakra really comes into its power in adolescence adolescence. That's why teenagers have that rebellious phase Mm -hmm. because they're coming into the power of their solar plexus, which is the chakra of personal power and personal identity. It's the me in the world. The second chakra is about bonding. It's the sexual chakra, but it's about bonding in all circumstances. So this is where the wounds such as the anxious or the avoidant attachment, attachment is happening yes. here at this yes. at this second chakra. So if you have any type of bonding wounds, if your childhood was a little bit messed up, even if it wasn't messed up, we all have bonding wounds mm-hmm. because we've all been raised by emotionally immature parents. Yes. We've all been emotionally. Immature. All of us have trauma For, with yeah, a big fear, of little t. T. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so this has just been happening for a really long time. We have not come into our emotional maturity for eons of time. And so it really means that we all have work to do in these lower three chakras. The more bonding wounds you have in the lower three chakras, the more it's going to be a problem for you to come into sacred connection, sacred partnership. Okay. So I would say that's another characteristic is that the sacred partners have their lower chakras cleared and have done work in that area. Another aspect of sacred connection is it's a very deep, pure love. And when I say very deep, pure love, it doesn't mean it's going to be all smelly roses. Not at all, because love a lot of times is glaring and it's direct and it pushes and it challenges and it forces you to see everything that is not love. And that can be A little bit painful. But when it comes to sacred partnerships, there's this deep, pure, unconditional love. It's the closest thing that you get to unconditional love. Even at times, I know it's controversial what I'm going to say, but even at times, it goes deeper than the bond between a parent and a child in terms of unconditional love. It's so, so deep. It's the closest that we get in this incarnation to what God feels for us or what God energy sends our way constantly. It's sometimes hard to feel into until you get into one of these connections.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense to me, too, because if you have done that healing work and you are emotionally mature and you're committed to personal growth and you don't get lost in the mirror, right, then you can be unconditional, (laughs) right? Like you can't really be unconditional if the bus is being driven by your wounds,
1: Yes. Yes. And the interesting thing about unconditional though is too, because I feel like this is an important side note to leave because a lot of times I've worked with many clients who come to me and they stay in toxic situations Mm -hmm. because they think that they are unconditionally loving their partner and unconditional Mm -hmm. love means that they should suddenly become a doormat to be walked on. And so that's not unconditional love at all, because when you tap into unconditional love, the first resonance of that that love is to self. And so if you are really vibrating at the frequency of unconditional, love, you will never become a doormat to anyone. You will never accept mistreatment from another person. That's where unconditional love starts. The moment that you accept mistreatment, you're not touching on unconditional love. You are not there.
0: Yeah. That's a really so, good point.
1: Yeah. So, so that's an important side note on unconditional love. But yeah, that's, it's very present in sacred partners for sure. Let me see if I'm thinking of any other one that's really important. Truth. Truth and communication. A sacred connection, because you are so close in your soul and energy DNA, because you are matched so closely, the moment that you are not standing in truth, the other person knows it, whether they know it intuitively or whether they know it intellectually, but they just know it. The vibration of the connection starts to break down when there's a lack of truth, when you are not standing in your truth, when you are not communicating your truth. So communication is another thing. The moment that communication breaks down, you're losing the sacred connection because that sacred communication is a pillar of sacred connection, but truth also. Truth. What yeah. is your truth? What is true for you? And are you able to communicate it to your partner? And are you able to communicate it to your partner without fear of how that truth is received? Because yeah. if you have fear of how that truth is going to be received by the other partner, then you have to start questioning whether you are in a sacred connection or not. Yeah, Because if you are in a sacred connection, that question wouldn't even come up because the other person is emotionally mature to listen to any of your yes, truths. Yes. And so the moment you start saying to yourself, oh, should I say this? I don't know how she or he or she will, will, we'll will take accept it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take it. Then, wow, maybe you're not in that the depth of mm-hmm. of sacred connection that you thought you were in. Yeah. So these are all really important pillars of sacred connection, and I think probably the most important ones. Yeah, I, I think that's great.
0: And you know, I'll say it goes both ways because I remember at a certain point because I used to feel that way with my husband all the time, worried about bringing things up, my truth in some situations that I imagined he would take badly or get upset about because I'd been raised in an environment with a major narcissist and where that happened. And what I realized is that it wasn't him. I mean, maybe he has his own healing to do in his own ways, but it was really about my own healing. Like I was projecting onto him because I remember being just repeatedly so surprised at how, I mean, not that he's always perfect, but how willing he is to receive my truth in the end or even immediately. But my assumption was because of my own, unresolved second and third chakra wounds that he wouldn't, you know? So I think it goes both ways. Sometimes you're not being the, the one capable of the sacred relationship. And sometimes you're, you are, but you're in a relationship with someone else who
1: isn't capable. Absolutely. And you can test that really quickly, actually, because the number one rule is always share your truth regardless regardless of how it's received, always share your truth. That's your priority number one, but then you can test right away and you can see if you're in a sacred connection, because if you share your truth as it's pouring out of your heart, as you need to share it, If you share that truth and it's not well-received or it's received in a way that projects or blames or points fingers onto you, then you're already starting to see that the other partner is not quite there, right? So you can test that really easily. Yeah. If you're right, exactly what you were saying, maybe you had all these beliefs and then you just blurted out your truth and the partner received it in a way that was very emotionally and spiritually mature. Okay. There you go. All right. This is an indication that, wow, maybe I am in a sacred connection. But if if it happens, the other way and you're constantly biting your tongue because you don't feel like you can share because the other person tends to point fingers, then of course that leads to other conclusions and you have to work your way through this, but you can only do it by practicing really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. I have so many more questions to, we're going to have to have you back because I want to get more into sacred relationships. I want to get more into healing those earlier wounds and what that looks like. That's something that I have done a ton of and I'm so interested in, in my own work. So you have to come back. Okay. I will. Because I could could talk to you for hours. I think you're so wonderful. And if people want to learn more about you, definitely go to your YouTube channel. And what is the name of that channel?
1: So you can just put my name in Christina Lopes on the, on the search bar and you can find my channel really, really And that's quickly.
0: Christina with C H and Lopes C-H, is L-O-P-E-S.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you yeah. look her up on YouTube, you'll find her channel. All of the videos are fantastic. And on social media,
1: you are Heart Alchemist, right? Yeah. Heart Alchemist,
0: but you can find,
1: you can find me by Christina Lopes on Instagram okay. very easily also. Yeah. No problem. Okay, good. And so that's the best way for people to find you and reach yeah, you? Yeah. And they can find me on my website too. It's just Christina Lopes dot com that'll get them on my website and they can see pretty much all my social media my videos are all on there uh we got a ton of stuff on the on the website too so people can find me there easily also
0: wonderful i hope i get to meet you in the flesh at some point in the not too distant future but in the meantime i give you so much love so much gratitude for who you are in the world and how you're serving us
1: all and so much appreciation for your time i appreciate you so much in your work thank you so much